Hello everyone, it's Paula Byrne here and I'm joined by Cloda McGrath and we Hello. are... Huh? Hello. Oh, I thought you, <laughs> I thought you were correcting me. I no. couldn't. I couldn't even do it right. Um, <laughs> should we stop and start again? No, keep going. Oh, I, no, I feel under pressure because this is my first intro and I just messed it up. No, you haven't. I, d- I interrupted you. And it's okay. You were just saying hello and then my brain was like, my God, what's wrong? Something's wrong. <laughs> uh, yes, but everyone, we're following on from last week's conversation. So we kind of felt, I think, at the end of the last one we recorded that we had more to say. Or I yes. felt I was quite confident in what I was saying. And I, wasn't coming I know, across. I think there's more in it. Yeah, no, for There sure. is more in it, but I suppose this one is less structured. Last, yes. the, last time we were talking about kind of the types of per- therapy we can go to, we had CBT, we talked about the person-centered approach. Existential. Um, existential. Yeah. And why I suppose we, our experience of personal therapy and, you know, that what kind of stemmed from that. So yeah. yeah, we felt like we had more to say. So here we are. I'm going to see what happens with it. Uh, yeah. So if you hear just 60 minutes of silence, well, that's the podcast, folks. <laughs> no, that's that's therapeutic silence. That's uncomfortable yeah, that's silence what it is. that you sit yeah. in and that you work through your stuff. That would be psychodynamic. <laughs> yeah, it would actually. Um, love therapeutic silence. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. I should probably frame therapeutic silence. It's 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 in therapy when you kind of reach that point where no one says anything. So mm-hmm. it, it, I suppose it would be framed in normal kind of social settings as an awkward silence. Yeah. But then when you're in the therapy space, it's really interesting because you are, I suppose you sit with that silence and you kind of say, okay, and it kind of nearly becomes a power thing, like a kind of who's going to speak first and who's going to break the silence first. And sometimes there can be, OK, I'm going to I'm going to say something just for the sake of saying it, just to break that silence. And yeah. it's very interesting to actually sit with the silence and see how long it can go and where your mind goes. I find your mind well, goes to some really interesting places yeah. when you're sitting in silence with someone. That's kind of the point of leaving it open. Like yeah. if somebody needs to like percolate on something and they go, actually, now that I think about it, and then something random comes out. Exactly. Or even when, you know, because there's always eye contact there as well. Well, from yep. the therapist, there's eye contact. The client mightn't make it all the time through that silence, but it's fierce interesting. And then yeah. sometimes it can Do be Do you ever like, have a psychodynamic therapist? I did. Unfortunately, I, <laughs> as a client, there's never any silence with me. <laughs> there's never any opportunities because I don't shut up. Yeah. Uh, I make full use of that 50 minutes, but it can be very beneficial, I suppose, if someone is in silence and they yeah. can they can kind of work through or kind of understand what is the silence? Why am I uncomfortable in this silence? What do I feel like I need to bring? What am I not bringing? What's not being said? I think that's the great thing about silence in the therapeutic space. It's a really good way of understanding what's not being said. It gives space for that to come ahead. So like Mm. the therapist isn't driving the therapy or you're not just talking for the sake of talking. If there's a silence, you go, okay, that thing that I haven't been talking about, that I need to talk about, maybe I could say it now. And it's creating that moment for that to come through. Most definitely. And there's always, there's also a thing as well, I know we discussed about picking the right therapist for you and, you know, kind of shopping around, if you will, but doing your research. 
but uh, yeah. that's the great tell I think of a good therapist it's if they're able to sit in that silence with you and not kind of do that rescuing or mm. not you know not ask a question or say something or feel the need to kind of rescue I guess to to hold someone in silence is it's difficult because yeah. even as a therapist you have to go okay what well, I should say something I, I I need to find something to say I, I'll find a question to ask them and yeah. like all this sort of stuff comes in and these insecurities then of like how long has this gone on for I remember in training as well mm. actually is uh, you know when I first started and there, if there was a silence and you know obviously the, you were taught the silence is important as you say don't jump in for the rescue and then you're also well I was I was taught to reflect on what I was feeling in the moment as well so it gives a chance to really check in with what's going on for you as the therapist in the session so if you need to be grounded if you if you find yourself going off you know thinking about the shopping list that you have to do after the session or something like that it's like oh right okay I'm not here I need to come back into the session and mm. um, so it's it's kind of like you know it's not just for the clients the therapist could use it as well yeah um, definitely yeah and also I remember as well when I first started uh, getting used to the resonance of you know whatever the client was bringing in I had a feeling or a sense of something and learning to trust that and go okay you know as I'm sitting here I'm getting the sense of you know frustration or anger, or, you know, uh, there's something not being said. And I'm just wondering, you know, what's here for you? And they're like, yeah, I'm actually furious because I was thinking about that thing you said. Mm. And um, the way they didn't answer me in that conversation really pissed me off. And it's like, I could feel it. And I had to learn how to trust that. And in the silences, that became more and more pronounced. I don't know, like, for you, how that was. Yeah, I, I think... It- I very very much kind of as a client like mm-hmm. that I don't really dwell in the silence I think our I don't feel uncomfortable I'm, I'm quite happy being in silence but yeah. I think for me I've no problem flowing what's coming from my I'm quite I've no filter so <laughs> you know sometimes the silence is a filter or the silence is like a barrier to kind of your thoughts or feelings your true thoughts or feelings coming out because you're stopping yourself exactly but unfortunately I'm quite I've no filter so it just comes out of me naturally anyway so but as a therapist I've encountered it and Mm. it is quite it's it's quite daunting when you come up against it I suppose and I I Mm -hmm. say against it like it's a it's a barrier it's yeah is it a yeah, it's an interesting one. Even as I have it here in my head, the concept of it, it mm. a lot, lots of different things are coming up. Like, is it yeah. a defense? Is it a barrier? Is it something that could be worked with? But I think as a therapist, I learned to say, okay, this is this is not me. This, mm-hmm. is, this is their time. It's the client's time. And yeah. if they want to sit there in silence, let them sit there in silence and just be here for them and yeah. hold a minute and know that you are here for them. The eye contact, you're being there and let them be silent and let them sit in the silence for as long as they need to. And they'll yeah. say something when they need to say something. And, you know, that's that's how I came to kind of work with it anyway. And to be okay yeah. with it myself. It's just to understand yeah. that it's not about me. It's about the client. And it's 
at the end of the day, if they need to sit there for 20 minutes in silence, that's what they yeah. need. Yeah, true. And to have somebody sit with them. Yeah. And um, what did you look for in a therapist? Oh. Or if you were even to answer that now. Yeah, I'd say six foot tall, broad shoulder, <laughs> blue eyes, brown hair, bit of a Tommy Bow look about him. You know? right. <laughs> no, that's not what I look for in a therapist. That would be <laughs> that would be a very distracting therapist. What do I look for in a therapist? I I what suppose are the brand rules? when I first started my personal therapy journey, I didn't know what I was looking for. I just thought I just assumed you go and it just happens. And mm-hmm. I think I mentioned, um, depending on how we release these podcasts and yeah. what order we release them in, some of what we say is not relevant or will kind of reference podcasts that are maybe we recorded last we'll week. We'll re-record maybe yeah. the whole thing again into one episode and kind of combine them if this doesn't work out today. <laughs> no, we've given it away now, so we just can go with it. And okay, I, okay. I just wanted to put the disclaimer out there that if things are a little bit jumbled, just mm. bear with us. <laughs> it's because, yeah. you know, it's because it's not real time. But who knows in the future it will be. What do I look for in a therapist? Let me go back to yes. that. Uh, I drifted. I, yes, didn't know what I was looking for at the start. I thought it was just you rock up, you do what you need to do, and that's it. But it, it wasn't. As I said before, my first therapist wasn't really into them, didn't really feel a connection, wasn't being totally honest and open in the space. And then, as I said, I went to a therapist with Insight Matters in Mountjoy Square when they were based there at the time, and amazing, stayed there for the 15 sessions. So I'm going to focus on what that person was mm-hmm. to me. And that's what I look for in a therapist. She was so kind and gentle and warm. I just felt a sense of her warmth. Mm-hmm. I really got a sense of good energy. Just came across very non-judgmental. And yeah. it still took me a few sessions to kind of fully open up and to say what I needed to say and to feel totally comfortable in the space, of course. Well, you need to give yourself time to trust that, yeah, you know, right. because somebody might be nice in the first time you meet them and then turn around and be an absolute nightmare. So, um, mm. yeah, you need to give yourself that, that, that time to ease into it. But I must say, I think that just from you asking that curveball question that I wasn't expecting, focusing <laughs> on that individual in that space, there was just her warmth, her energy, her kindness. Uh, so it was a felt sense that you had. Most definitely. Most definitely, yeah. because I think, yeah, you go in your intuition. You know, if you're in a space with someone, you can tell. Well, I I kind of tend to pick up on their energy and their mood and their attitude. Attitude is a big thing for me. If someone's sitting there and they're complaining, or I've I've had some experience with therapists where they'll talk about themselves, and I'm kind of okay. like this isn't really your space this is my space stop taking away from my experience by bringing in your own and that happens a lot that would happen a lot now in some situations it's relevant it's nice to know that someone went through the same thing but you really kind of have to like if your therapist is talking more about themselves and their issues than you are about yours then it might be time to look for a new therapist yeah. um, and that feeling will come over you of going i don't know whether this is right you know yeah. and, and actually what i would say there is actually say to your therapist you know yeah, throw that into the know, room and see what happens see if, yeah, yeah see really what really be honest with that about the process about what what it what it is like to be in therapy with that therapist and go 
you talk about yourself a lot. When I'm talking about something, you keep referring back to yourself. So um, by mentioning that, it could change the dynamic for the better. Or if it doesn't change, that's not the therapist for you. And that is okay. I will say, though, Claude, I don't think I'd be that brave. Uh, you, make, you, you make it sound easy there, but no. And I've had the situations before where I yeah. I would never, I'd be afraid of hurting their feelings or kind of upsetting okay. them. And, you know, I, I would find it easier to probably just like... That's a really a, good point. Have a polite bow out. I mean, as yeah. professionals, I think, but if I was like as a client, I would find it very difficult to say to a therapist, listen, you talk about yourself a lot and I don't, like, I. it's not for me. I, I think I'd, I, it's, yeah, it's just, I'd rather just bow out, I think. And what's, what difference does it make? Like, you know, even, yeah, but I suppose then you have to argue. Is that it, not our, and mimicking what you would do in your own life to avoid confrontation? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. So here is um, a therapeutic, like, learning opportunity to no, do it in a yeah. safe space. Hopefully what, a safe space that the therapist can hear it. But What I was going to say was, if you don't say it, then this behavior from that professional might continue and this will happen to someone else so maybe you are better bringing it up it's but not I, your I, responsibility to mind others it's your responsibility to mind you that's okay yeah exactly but I'm, what i'm just saying is in the greater scheme of things in real life scenarios i think yeah. people m- might just find it easier to bow out and maybe go look for another therapist as opposed to challenge the one they're seeing at the moment but it is okay to challenge a therapist it is okay to say if something is not okay, if they said something that hurts you, no no therapist is going to be perfect. No therapist is going to, you know, have every session just so. They're going to say things sometimes that may land and you're like, actually, what did you just say? That was not okay by me. And I suppose for me, I would be like, please say that. You know, you get to say I'm having a feeling right now and it's not okay what just happened. Maybe it's in the next session or two sessions in, you know, you remember when you said this. I really felt hurt by that. By all means, bring that in. I actually love uh, just listening to you, like, communicate that so eloquently as you do. I would actually love someone, to, a client to say that to me. Like, if I yeah. if I was saying, if I said something or if I, if the space, if they weren't getting from the space what they needed or like that, yeah. if they felt like they weren't being heard or they weren't being fully understood and it wasn't for them, they weren't getting anything out of it, I'd love for them to say it. Yeah. And I suppose it's being open to that as well, open to that feedback, because it is a collaborative process. Yeah. You know, so you have to I'd, be in sync and there has to be a kind of, there has to be a flow. Yeah. I try to say that at the start of every, so working with a new client, you'd have a meeting um, or the way I work, I'd have a meeting with them and kind of get the lie of the land and just to make sure that I have the skills or that uh, I have, I have what they need and also that they get a chance to chat to me and feel that vibe, feel that, you know, uh, felt sense of talking to me going no you're not it go with that if that's it or if you're after what sorry I'll get my point was I say that at the start of going if I am not the therapist for you it is so important that you recognize that do not stay in this for my ego do not stay in this to mind me 
I would appreciate it if you could say to me, maybe it is something I can change or meet or understand, and that would be great. But if that's not possible, move to a different therapist. Your therapy is more important than me being minded in that. So mm. that's kind of how I would I would start up our, our um, relationship that way, that they could, they know they can say it to me. I hope, I hope they know they can say that to me. Okay, so let me put the question back at you before we go too much into the professional kind of realm. Yeah. Uh, what do you look for in a therapist? So like you, when I first started, I had a notion. Hadn't a clue, thought you just rocked up. I didn't realize my part in it, as in the work I had to put into it and what I needed to bring. And so now in knowing myself more, and I think that's really good, that might be handy for people is to do that self uh, inventory and uh, go, what what happened in my life? Or what are the things I need to talk about? You know, are there, there, what would I say? Like, are there some big things? Like, is there a, a, a... a really identifiable trauma maybe mm. is there addiction is there uh, maybe issues around food you know these are co- quite identifiable in that that's the type of therapist i would need then mm. so for me it will be the trauma therapist you know somebody grounded in trauma training and have a, has a good grasp so and now at this stage and that obviously has because i've trained in therapy myself to know what i'm looking for but the sense of the person would have to be that non-judgmental, would have to be that vibe, would have to be that, uh, you know, that we were joking about, you know, leaving in the silence or whatever. And I, I do, I find that uh, important because I, I need to think on things. I need a minute to formulate what I'm going to say, not as in to present it, but as in I need a minute to understand what I'm feeling in order to say it out. Uh, and then... I've lost what I was saying. <laughs> was it the beeps? I, I muted myself to cough. And there I may have like, been I saw beeps. you were going to cough and I was like, oh my God, that's going to come out on the thing. And I heard nothing. I was like, what the hell did he do? I muted I myself. I did the polite thing when recording a podcast. I and I muted myself. I not see you doing myself. anything in muting it. Okay. <laughs> it's, I'm um, very discreet, you see. I, you do I know, well done. On screen. Oh, you have it on the clicker. Yeah. All right. I, I didn't see you reaching headset. for the screen. Okay, yeah, anyway. it's very good. So you were so talking there's... about what you looked for in a therapist, so trauma was yeah. kind of an area that you... And the non-judgmental, yeah, yeah the, the sense of the person. And Oh, yeah, that's right. So being left in the silence. I don't particularly like when it's one-sided. I need a collaborative approach. You know, I need to... I'm going to throw this out there. I don't know how it's going to land, but this is what's in my brain what lands for you when I say this you know I need that feedback back and forth Mm. it doesn't have to be them leading it or anything like that but it needs to be an actual conversation it needs to be an actual relationship I'm not a fan of psychodynamic in terms of you know that leaving it with the client it just in my own personal sense it doesn't work for me it doesn't work for me as a client either I find it you know it's interesting to use some of the techniques from it techniques mm. is probably the wrong word but interventions you know, interventions yeah or even back. going back to void of that uh, what do you the free association i think that's brilliant mm. so you know stuff like that oh I let's do is... a bit of free association come on yeah come on i love this i love free association so you can okay so you're the free association the clients well explain it first and then we'll do it 
Okay, so free association will be, so if you're trying to think of things to say, all right, maybe you're, you're stuck on a particular topic that you're, you've brought to therapy and you're not quite sure what's there. You're not quite sure how you feel. You're not quite sure what you think. And free association will be, okay, when, so, so, okay, Paul, we're talking about therapy. I want you to just say the first thing that comes into your mind when I say therapy and free associate whatever comes up. So go for it. No, don't do therapy because that's like in my mind frame now. We're talking about therapy. So do okay. something totally curveball. Give me so, so basically, if I understand you correctly, Claude, I'm trying to frame it a, a simpler way. Yes. But you say something related yep. to maybe themes that have come up in therapy for me. You're doing it in such a way that I'm not expecting it. And literally, I'm communicating verbally the first thing thought that comes into my mind when I hear this word. Okay. So, okay, I'm going to give you a word now. Okay. Conflict. The first word that just came into my mind was resolution. Okay. Anything else? Avoid. Okay. So resolution and avoid, they're kind of polar opposites. Mm. I suppose there's solutions to it. <laughs> and I think it's the resolution kind of, is avoiding it. Yeah, con no well, conflict revolution. Resolution, sorry, is a term anyway. So I think I associated it through that. But then the avoid, yeah, don't like the L conflict. Okay. Resolution is amazing if you can re reach a resolution, but some people are you have to learn that. Some people like conflict. Some people like to exist within it. But they like the conflict. They don't like the resolution. And that's when I avoid it. Yeah. That's when I avoid so, them and that person. We didn't really do that properly. So you could keep going. What else comes up for uh, conflict? War. Keep going. Death. Keep going. Destruction. So it's very negative for Humanity. You. Conflict. Countries, conflict, borders, conflict. For some reason, I, I'm, I, I'm conscious as I go through this that I'm not, I'm not going to the relationship aspect of it, and okay. conflict would come into relationships a lot. But so you um, are going to it. Or maybe I'm aware I'm not going to it. Yeah. <laughs> or, I did, or I did go to it and say relationship. Yeah. But I suppose that we won't spend too much time on this because I'll totally expose yeah. myself and become vulnerable and go into that. <laughs> this will turn that into cool. a therapy session. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that is one of the ways uh, in, in psychodynamic or it's not uh, well it goes back to Freud but uh, that that can be used and I don't mind using that because I think that's really uh, good and it allows clients to just you know put down I, I usually what I might do actually is say to them okay write it down whatever mm. it is you're working on at the moment and just free associate whatever comes into your head over the next 60 seconds or 90 seconds write it down and go for that you don't have to show me or can be done at home and that gives them an opportunity to share what they need to share no i do enjoy it as, a, as an intervention i very much do uh, okay yeah. so i have another question for you okay what were the mental health benefits of personal therapy for you and i suppose 
over the course as well of your of your core training where personal development and personal therapy would have played a part what is the difference in your mental health from before you started therapy to now after you've or not it's not after you're still in the process but yeah i'm still in the process at this point what is the difference in your mental health what do you feel Um, have been the benefits my biggest one will be emotional regulation you know, uh, being able to regulate myself when I was triggered or even being able to recognize that I was triggered. You know, I don't think I knew very much about myself before I started therapy mm. or even before I started my training. And that therapy is about learning who you are, how you human in the world. And I had no idea how I humans in the world. I knew how others wanted me to human. And I tried to mimic that as best I could. And I kept having all these feelings and, you know, emotions come up that would really feel destabilizing. I had no re- I had no understanding why I was feeling that way. Because I grew up and, and not knowing what emotions were. Like that's that's literally, you know, I remember being in class and I might have said this before and saying to my lecturer going, I don't know what emotions are. Like, I shouldn't be on this training. What the hell am I doing here? And he goes, that's great. That's fantastic awareness. And like, now you can learn what they are. Now you can learn what your emotions are. Now you can learn what it feels like to have these certain emotions. So that for me was a game changer and continues to be. And I want to stress this because I am not done. I am not finished. I am not. I am an ongoing process and more and more comes up on how I human. And I hope that I can continue to meet that and grow from it. But at the moment, my biggest lesson has been the emotional regulation piece. So that's my answer. Hmm. Two things that came up for me there. One, where did this term humaning, humaning come from? I really enjoy I really like that. I don't know. I started using it. I, I assume I heard it somewhere, but like we all human differently. And it's my job as a therapist to listen to you and go, well, this is how you human. This is what's happening for you as you human. And, you know, handing that back to them going, okay, this is just how you human in the world. There's nothing wrong with you. You're having these emotions and feelings and thoughts and that's normal for you. Yeah, I do. I do love it. Is it grammatically correct? Oh, God, no, I'm sure not, but I'm using it. Yeah. I suppose the second thing as well, the word triggered. I I started to have an issue with it last year. And I, for some reason, every time I hear it, I I get this image of someone. I I am triggered every time I hear the word triggered. (laughs) That it's quite, like, it just brings, like, a a finger on a trigger, like, of a gun, like, a, a like you know someone pulling the trigger of a gun and i was like that's that doesn't so i started to kind of look into it and i know the word activation is coming in now Mm -hmm. as a kind of alternative to it i do like activation more than triggers uh, or i've been activated more than triggered i think trigger is just a bit i don't know negative connotations for me so i've just been taken over and you know especially in an american context it's like Mm. you're a snowflake if you're triggered and all this sort of stuff so i know i i kind of have a bit of unease i'm using it but it's also the most and it's the clearest way i can describe it you know Mm. activation not that many people or some people may not get that fully but triggered they get yeah so yeah 
It's, but I'm sure in about five years' time, the language will have moved on. We won't be using triggered anymore. Activate it. Yeah. No, just in certain, in, um, certain training environments now, I, I've come across people using it. And I think it's, it's a much kind of, it's all about language as well, isn't it? Language is evolving. But yes, I suppose, segued there, you were describing how you were different from before you started personal therapy to after. Yeah. And I suppose you were discussing emotions and I yeah. would really relate to that. I had no clue of emotions. Uh, it's something I would really have struggled with. And I myself, I have come to realize that I operate on two planes of thought. I think I've said this before, the emotive plane and the practical plane. But the majority of the time I like really exist on a practical plane of thinking and the emotional part I'm still figuring out and identifying and learning how to regulate um, mm. I think it'll be a lifelong lifelong yeah. journey you know because there's so many environmental factors that activate that emotional plane yeah did, did you like well that? done like that Thank yeah you. well yeah. done <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's so true because you know we haven't experienced everything we're ever going to experience we're going to experience new things and that's going to bring up new feelings or new ways of thinking or new ways of feeling and so we are always in the process of becoming and another i, I mentioned this before but another thing that's uh, has that's different now is my compassion for myself my sense of you know it's okay to feel what I'm feeling right now it doesn't mean that I'm awful it doesn't mean that I you know having emotions as a therapist does not make me a bad therapist you know it's not that I shouldn't be feeling emotions and I should have them all sorted again if you're going to human you're going to have emotions because that literally is what it's about so why would you judge yourself in that? Why would you give out to yourself for being angry, for being sad, for being upset? It's just how you're doing in that time. Now, what we do with those emotions, that's really interesting. That's the harder part. Mm. We can feel them, but what we do with them, sometimes we can lash out, we can hurt others, we can lash in, we can hurt ourselves. Um, so it's really important to to um, look at look at your response to the emotions. And if you can lead with compassion and kindness, look yourself, you're you're going to do quite well. I'll retort with, that's easier said than done. <laughs> takes years. I'm still on that journey and I'm still working on it. I, a couple, well, depending on when people are listening to this, it was either two podcasts ago or it could be four podcasts ago. Uh, I was talking about my epitaph. And I said, oh, I did you find up, it? I did. I eventually Great. found it in a journal from a couple of years ago in training. Like that, it was part of one of the modules. I think it was existential psychotherapy and or it was grief and loss, one of them. But uh, yes, my epitaph, what's going to be on my gravestone? So yeah. I, I, I kind of had an idea the last time, but this is exactly how I wrote it. Okay. I was only nice to your face. Here lies a pleasure and a paradox, a wholly interesting and unique individual. Right. I was only nice to your face. What does that mean? I don't know. You're standing there looking at my grave. What do you think it means? I was only, you're talking about me behind my back. I'm going to go up and like, yeah, put in a bad word so I don't get into the pearly gates if that's where you're going. <laughs> and you're like, with an epitaph like that? No. I well, suppose... do you know what? Maybe honesty is rewarded. 
I think what what came up for me when I was doing this, and I don't I don't know why, I was just yeah, it was only nice to your face, as in like to kind of challenge people's perceptions of how I was in the world. Yeah. And to kind of more as kind of like a head fuck, as to kind yeah. of like make you make you think back on all the interactions we've had and all the kind of stuff You're we've done mean. together. No, but it's a nice way of reflecting, but getting them... Hold getting... on, reflecting is one thing. You get somebody with anxiety and they're going, <laughs> oh my God, what does this mean? What, like, was our relationship that... meaningless? No, I think um, that's where the paradox thing came in. I was just like, I'll throw something out there, like a little grenade. So it was only nice to your face. Plus, there was stuff going on in group process at the time in college, and I, <laughs> it was just you were done. Yeah, I was. <laughs> but I think, yeah, it was just. I think we were doing all about the masks and the persona and what we show to the yeah. world and everything like this. And I was like, that'd be a nice thing to put on the uh, epitaph. But uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm conscious that we're talking about types of therapy. This is really an, a, an eclectic episode today. Well, we kind of knew that anyway coming into it. This, yeah. it would be... We weren't exactly sure where it was going to go. Yeah. What? Okay, types of therapy. How do you want to... What do you want to do? What type of therapy do you want to train in now? Well, I'm I'm currently now training already in sex and relationship therapy. So explain to people what that is for. If somebody wanted a sex and relationship therapist, what would they be going to you for? That's a good, actually, actually we could have talked about that the last time, but we didn't. Mm. And I suppose I'm very conscious. I am no expert. I am only starting off on this journey. It's a two-year journey. I'm three months into it. So I'm very much on my baby legs. Uh, yeah. But what is a sex therapist and a relationship? Well, of course, couples. So it would be, couples counseling which is actually yeah. an incorrect term intimate partner therapy because of course it's not a couple anymore they like you could have three people you could have four and there's so many different types of groupings types of relationships out there now so yeah. it's catering to that so it's inter sorry intimate partner therapy and that could be two or three or four that's polyamory, polyamory we're yeah, talking about. Exactly. Yeah. Do you so, want to explain to people what polyamory is? Well, polyamory is when there's more than, I suppose, the traditional heteronormative kind of coupling of two people together. Um, yeah, you're kind of, I suppose, a triad or what's four? Ah, oh, I was gonna say quadruple or something like that. No, I don't know. there's a name for it. I haven't got to it yet. That module we haven't covered yet. We actually haven't. <laughs> but so I'm going on my own, my own understanding of this. I will find it and I will. We can you... come back to that. We can come back to that. So I anyway, think it is you're... just a quad. Okay. No, yeah. I I do know what it is. So there are pods as well. So there's a a couple, a triad, yeah. and well, a couple would be a dyad, I suppose. A triad, or a thruple are yeah. i think the correct word is triad though and i hate you because you put me on the spot and i don't i'm not fully like knowledgeable <laughs> with it and i'm probably going to piss a lot of why know, okay let me, let me reframe people. the question let okay. me reframe the question why did you want to become a sex and relationship therapist oh uh, because like because i grew up in ireland <laughs> repression what does that mean <laughs> <laughs> no i see what the kind of negative 
psychological and societal effects can come from not talking about sexuality and you know embracing sexuality and not like the shame there's so much shame around sexuality the very interesting thing about the difference between sex and relationship therapy and kind of i suppose normal counseling and psychotherapy normal sorry inverse mm-hmm. commas and uh, talk therapy shall we say is that you know it's there's very much a biology aspect to sex and relationship therapist especially when you're kind of talking about erectile dysfunction you know, are kind of, I'm, I'm going from the male body to perspective here because I'm okay. a male, but there's obviously there's menopause would be something that's mm-hmm. very kind of, this is very interesting actually, because menopause in relation to female bodied individuals, it's kind of like this new thing because the question was asked to me, you know, a while ago in relation to HRT, hormone replacement therapy, yeah. you know, why, you know, why haven't we figured it out or, you know, why weren't kind of more women told about this in the past? Because it's mm-hmm. only a new thing. And yeah. we as humans didn't live that long. If you go back 30, 40 years ago, we only lived okay. up until a certain age or like 60s, 70s. But now we're living longer. And yeah. women, female bodied individuals find themselves in the menopause for a much longer period so to sustain themselves through that hrt hormone replacement therapy is an option for that is is a kind of you know long-term viable option for there are other options as well is that also because women weren't you know women were seen as too complex in the medical field that the standard was that men were studied and you know just put across across all all medicine then you know so you know women and hormones their hormones are far more complex to a man's and therefore HRT or how, as you say, how have we not figured this out yet? And why is there, you know, not enough information? One, it was taboo. We just didn't talk about it. That was women's business. But also in the medical field, it wasn't like studied. It wasn't seen as relevant. Maybe well, that, that's just me. I, it's a generational thing, though, as in previous generations of women, you know, female bodied individuals did not live as long as they're living that's yeah. that's the truth of it so science is catching up to the fact we're living longer uh, mm-hmm. but as we see in other aspects of healthcare and the elderly the elderly aren't prioritized and no. you know that kind of way so it's there's a lot of things at play in relation to that um, yeah it's and does do women would women then come to you to talk about you know i'm going through uh, menopause and you know I, i'd like to, to think out. I'd like to think in time when I'm qualified that yeah, yeah. I would I could be an individual that a female bodied person could come to yeah. discuss menopause openly. I would be able to direct them to services or you know, because that's the thing, you have to know, especially in sex and relationship therapy, you have to know your limitations in relation to how far what's your remit in relation yeah. to the biomedical side of it because i'm not a doctor i'm not a nurse i'm not a sexual health professional i have knowledge but that knowledge can only take me so far and can only take so it has to be very boundary and you have to be very ethical with it and then you Mm -hmm. of course would can make suggestions i can't even refer on you know it has to be the individual the kind of you can psychoeducate, you can give education and then they go off and they can kind of source stuff themselves 
but I'm just figuring that out recently that the, there's a big difference because there's so many so much biomedical stuff involved yeah. in sexuality in kind of human biology and sex and relationships it's not it's just, just a humaning thing yeah. this is how we human and we're figuring it out are you just are you getting paid to say that word yeah, I'm, I, I have a copyrighted <laughs> name so you cannot use it yeah. uh, but seriously though no, is this exactly. like it's, it's more a, a more in-depth learning of, of what it is like to be in a body exactly it's not just what's happening in your mind what's happening in your psyche yeah. it's what in your body is affecting your mind or yeah, yeah. especially it's not in... interplay isn't it it's yeah. like you know i have a thought and my body has a reaction to that thought anxiety is created the anxiety goes back up to my brain oh god there's something wrong my body feels terrible jesus there must be something wrong and more thoughts come in and that feedback loop but then if there's you know if something is you know what did you say biomedically if something yeah. is can going on in the body do you yeah. mind if i interject for a moment okay you can you name that cycle again that you just named can you talk through that cycle the, the anxiety, the thoughts and feelings, how it yeah. flows through and everything like that. The feedback loop. Yeah. Okay, so my brain has a thought. It's like, um, uh, oh, I better set the alarm for, you know, half an hour early in the morning because if I don't, uh, I won't get up in time. And if I don't get up in time, I'll miss that appointment. And if I miss that appointment, I won't be able to get into. And then my at the end of that thought, it's like, I will have messed up everything and I will lose my career my mind can go into that loop and then the okay. feeling then my body reacts to that thought process and i for me uh, let's say my, my, my I, I feel all my anxiety in, in my chest mm -hmm. so if i'm anxious my chest gets this sensation and then the sensation then goes oh god there's something wrong my body is sending signals back up to the brain there's something wrong the feeling is here and the brain goes, oh, we're interpreting a signal from the body that says something's wrong. We must do something. We'll release hormones and, you know, cortisol, uh, all the stress hormones, adrenaline, mm -hmm. in order to, you know, protect you against the danger. But then the, adren the, the, the adrenaline and hormones that are in the body are now feeding the brain going, there must be something wrong. Like, I feel so bad. There must be definitely something wrong. Okay, so, I'm, I'm going is to that what you're talking about? Yeah, I'm interjecting here now. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Where is your sexual desire in all that process? Where is the feeling of it or the thought of it? Is it playing? Could you see it? Like, is it anywhere well, in that? As in, do you think it's my to... thought process? Probably, like, if I was thinking about uh, thinking about somebody I fancied or thinking about a fantasy, I'd have the thought, then I'd have the feeling. The feeling would then go back up into my, you know, this there's this feedback loop. No, I think I right? no. My question didn't land properly. I suppose what I'm <laughs> what I'm trying to say there, when you're in that anxiety, fight or flight, it's yeah. very hard. Like, it's very hard for sexual desire to come in there and like and be oh, present. Oh, we know we're in that. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, oh, that's sorry. where the oh, right. today. I, oh, like if I was anxious and like was trying to you I, know I get amorous with a partner, I'd be like. Get out the feck. There's yeah, not a sorry. hope. So that's that's what that's what I'm trying <laughs> to like, you know, he's like, why sex therapy? It's because people are focused on in kind of talk therapy, it's focused on that loop and that feedback loop and calming the thoughts and challenging yeah. those thoughts. But in sex therapy, you are trying to kind of do that, but in relation to sexual desire, where is sexual desire in all this? What part can sexual desire 
can we get a sense of that sexual desire back if it's gone? Uh, yeah, things like that. So that fell flat on its face. But I'll put I got it there in the end. Sorry, no, I totally I think we're, missed it. Missed yeah, that. I should have probably framed it to you. I, I, I should have, like, but yeah, yeah, that was that was. I awful. think people will get that though. As no, in, cut you that know, out. If I'm, no, you, you <laughs> have to edit that out. Please edit that out. That was like basically the worst sex relationship intervention ever. <laughs> Because I was like, okay, so this is your anxiety cycle. And where does sexual desire play a part in that? I was waiting for you to... It's out the second door. Yeah, but I I was waiting for that. But then you kind of tried to rationalize it in and go... Oh, I completely switched down to, okay, how do I, you know, go into that mode? You know, I'm like, yeah, if I was feeling anxious, I would not be going there at all. I'd be like, that's why... I I have a headache. That's why I've come into it. And I kind of, uh, I'd be a very sex positive person myself. So I think it's time to normalize sexuality in Ireland. I think it's time to normalize sexuality, to explore sexuality and to be, yeah, to be okay with it. And I'm, because I'm only starting out on this journey myself, I'm actually still normalizing my internalized shame, my internalized homophobia. I have a very interesting story. I don't know if I should tell it, but... Is this about your group processing? No. College? No. Yeah. No, I won't. Uh, yeah. No. I suppose... No. Let's just say... Yeah. No. I can't. Cut that out. That You do have to cut that out. That him and her hawing whether, whether to or whether to not. Cut that out. My God. Okay. Yeah. Cut out the last 20 minutes, Claude. <laughs> Edit that down. And so we're back after cutting out nearly 20 minutes of uh, a random rant that the two of us went on that we'll, nobody will ever know about. And now we're going to go back on track to talk about what we came here to talk about. And that was the types of therapy. So yeah, you are is, training in sex and relationship training. Yeah, so that exactly. is your next adventure. And you're drawn to that, you were saying, because you know, you're quite sex positive. There's more that you want to understand in terms of relationships now and the different dynamics yeah and like i do want to normalize the shame that's out there in relation to sex and sexuality yeah Uh, of course it's true like if it'll be a small it'll be a small part i play but i find i could do some i could i could bring good insights and i can sit with someone in a non-judgmental space and discuss sexuality and explore sexuality and Go beyond sexuality. Go beyond what's stereotypically thought of in relation to someone's sexuality. Yeah. To go to the humanity beyond sexuality. Okay. That's that what sounds I... really like that sounds really fantastic when you're like go beyond to the humanity behind it. It seems very so seg- segue from menopause into that and then we're fine. <laughs> And no one and nobody's gonna know. know what we're talking about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think they'll have a sneaky suspicion. Um, yeah. We we edited edited. Paul has to be edited. Put it that way. Claude has a big job to edit. Paul. I'm going to I'm going to answer it now and say uh, you know so you're doing the sex and relationship. Uh, I am doing so. I last year I trained in EMDR mm-hmm. and I am finishing the last module of trauma studies with UCC as well. This in this semester so I'm kind of doing trauma studies on EMDR which EMDR is eye movement desensitization reprocessing 
which is a long-winded way of saying, you know, when trauma happens and we experience it, it kind of gets locked away from the normal, not normal, um, I hate using the word normal, but uh, from the uh, regular pathways of our brain that we have access to. And it gets locked away and it, you know, reacts to when it gets poked or reminded or mm. we get close to it, it, it really starts to jump out and, and causes us all sorts of problems, anxiety, depression, uh, PTSD. And so the EMDR, what that does is it accesses the trauma memories, but using both sides of the brain and helps you reprocess the actual event. So you can, it, so trauma becomes stuck mm. unless it's uh, processed. So this allows it to move, allows it to become unstuck. Uh, is the very unscientific way of saying that. So that is the training I am doing at the moment. And one of the modules also in UCC is frontline workers. So trauma and frontline workers. So that's a huge thing at the moment. I love, that there's, through, a, I love that there's a physical aspect to it. You know, the kind of way it's like in relation to the eye movement. It's kind of, yeah, it's sensory in a way, if you get me. It's, yeah. Yeah. It takes on the whole body. It takes mm. on, you know, there's a somatic element and a brain. That is the word I was looking well. for. Thank you. Somatic. Yeah. 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 I really enjoyed it. I've found working with it sometimes it's like watching magic happen. I can't explain it sometimes. You mm. know, obviously the client is doing the work. I'm just pro- I'm helping facilitate it, uh, obviously safely, but sometimes it moves in such a way that that something gets unlocked and the distress that was held in that moment of that experience, you know, you start off with, well, what's the distress level? And it might be like quite high. And after you've done the processing, a few rounds of processing, it doesn't happen every time now, but sometimes it only takes a few and it's right down to one or two, barely anything at all. I know it happened and it is distressing that it happened. And it's not that I can ever take away a memory or ever take away experience but the distress of that and having to you know if I have to remember it or go back to it or you know flashbacks in terms of PTSD it takes out the distress in it which I find is just magic mm. so that's one of the types of therapy I'm training yeah and there is a link to Clodagh's website if you would like to <laughs> no 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 <laughs> join her waiting list <laughs> Yeah, it is. Um, such, it's such relevant work, trauma, and I think trauma is something that's it's emerging. It's you know, it's it's a brave new world in relation to counselling and psychotherapy and yeah. trauma focused interventions because yeah. it's like the littlest thing can be a trauma and you don't realise it. You know, the kind of way we can hold it yeah. in our bodies, we can carry it with us, and we don't think it deserves the time and attention to help unstick it, but uh, it does. It needs to be unstuck, yeah. and it needs to, like you say, that processing needs to kickstart again. Yeah, and sometimes, as you say, it can be the smallest of things. So you start working off what you, what you sometimes call the big T trauma or the little T trauma. You start off with the big thing, and in the process of EMDR, you go just, you know, as we're doing this or doing the eye movements, or maybe it's sound bilateral stimulation is what it's called. So it's, it's sound on the left and right hand side, or literally me moving my finger left and right across your screen, or you have it, an actual screen on your TV or on your laptop or computer that does a, a, set, a light bar on it. Yeah. 
and I've lost the train of thought again. Jesus Christ, what is wrong with me today? Uh, Do you want to talk? But about actually, that? it's the little tea trauma. Yeah, I know. It's the little tea. So uh, as as I would say to somebody, you know, don't filter anything that comes up. Go with what comes up. And, you know, your brain can take you down many pathways and, you know, you might not think it's relevant. And, you know, after about four or five processes, they're like, I remember when I was nine, somebody took my ice cream away, threw it on the ground and stood on it. And I was devastated. And I feel and they start crying and they was like, you know, to a kid, you, you're looking at this as an adult and you're like going, sure, that's nothing like that. There's nothing in that. But if you look to a nine-year-old and maybe that was, you know, they'd saved up their pennies for that and somebody had done it and it was a bully in order to hurt them, they may have been devastated in that moment. And maybe the adult's response was that, you're fine, don't worry about it, they're just being mean. You're fine, the child is devastated and there's the trauma. Mm. You know, it's, it's not, it doesn't have to be these big, grand, dramatic moments. And sometimes that's what we what we might get to in well, in the session. it was big, it was grand, and it was traumatic for the child. Absolutely, and that's the point of it. Mm. That is the point of it. So that's what you can sometimes uncover with the EMDR. There you mm. go. There you go, indeed. Yeah. Okay, what's next? What's your? Did you have bullet points of what we had to cover in this? Because like that, um, we had to cover certain oh. things. We asked what we looked for in a therapist. We didn't cover accreditation. So um, one of the points I wanted to say is if you're looking for a therapist, mm. um, make sure that they're accredited with a, a, a body because, you know, at the moment, legislation in Ireland is a bit loose. So anybody can hang their shingle up and say that I'm a counsellor and advertise as that because counselling and Are you telling me I didn't have to do five years no, of training? No. I, I could have just hung a sign on my front door. Yeah, yeah, brought them into your sitting room while you're having your dinner. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> if only I so had to accreditation, know. they have to live by certain ethics and certain rules, and they have to do certain, you know, like, so we would have to do a certain number of hours of personal therapy, first of all, to finish our training. Then when we are in seeing clients, we have to have supervision. And even after we finish, we continue supervision. Um, we can't get away with not having supervision to you make sure probably that probably frame not. supervision. So supervision is, so I would go to another counsellor who is qualified as a supervisor. So they, I would bring clients to them, not identifying them or anything like that, going, okay, I have this client X and they're going through this. This is what's happening for them. This is the process that we're going through in terms of the therapeutic process. And they may ask you questions to understand more or to make sure I understand what's what's happening for the client. And Professional maybe oversight, give... basically. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and then we have to apply for reaccreditation. I think I'm so I'm fully accredited. It's after five years. I know they're trying to change that just because of paperwork. Hmm. But uh, so, yeah after five years and I also have to keep up with CPD you're the same like you'll have to do CPD a certain number of hours a certain number of hours of supervision and um, CPD is continued professional development yes. I'll, I'll just come in and explain all these things <laughs> or just say Cloda Cloda we're going to lose yeah. our audience come back. Come back. <laughs> we yeah. have to explain these things <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, that's what supervision is. Um, yeah, that's the importance of having somebody who's accredited. So you'll see many accrediting boards uh, in Ireland have a quick Google, they'll have a register of therapists. You'll see if there's therapists in your area and you'll be able to find somebody that is actually trained in therapy. So that was one of the points. Do you have anything to say on accreditation? No, just that it's all ahead of me. So yeah. looking forward to that. And You're pre-accredited, are you? Give me two months. Two, student accredited. You're a student student at the moment so give me two months and i'll be pre-accredited and then then the fun will officially begin but because i'll be pre-accredited in ireland with the accrediting body that i'm with in ireland and i'll have completed my core training and everything like that and then but i've also now registered with an accrediting body in the uk UK, which is the college of sex and relationship therapists and they have their own set of ethics and guidelines and everything like that so and this happens sometimes a therapist can be accredited with two yeah associations which depending on their modality or their specialities yeah. so that's good as well it's always better to be you know have two instead of one yeah it's not necessary just to say no, that no, like, it's better that they have two and then they come <laughs> to me Yes, you're better, I forgot. <laughs> uh, but just in case I'm anybody kidding, is kidding. like, you're only registered with one, I'm no, looking for these registered for yeah, two. Yeah. <laughs> the only the issue with um, sex and relationship therapy is that there's no accrediting body in Ireland. So that's in why Ireland. I even have okay. to go, I'm studying in the UK to wow. get the qualification. Because there's no, there's not much. I'm going to say, is there none? No, there's no, I think, equivalent sex and relationship therapy training in um, Ireland. There's kind of there's it's advertised as couples counseling therapy uh, okay which you can do in ireland but not intimate partner therapy that deals with more than two people in the room at the same time with you so yeah interesting yeah so you're going to broaden the field when you come back and bring it back to ireland blow it wide open yeah blow it wide open i was about to say blow (laughs) it wide open but i was like i won't use the pun that's awful, yeah. though. It's getting late. <laughs> Stop talking with dirty <laughs> things like that. Uh, okay, so what did, uh, how did training, training change us? How are we different? We've covered that. Why do... Yeah, we've covered everything now. So we have to knock out about 20 minutes of your ramblings and my going off topics. But I think you've still got about a good 40 minutes, I'd say. Yeah, and it's a part two of something... Yeah, previous, you, you so could like probably be... leave in you probably leave in some of the rambling. You could kind of yeah, like yeah, judge yeah. it yourself. I suppose take yeah. off the bit where it goes to like where I was going to mention something that happened in college. Because like then, yeah, yeah. And now I'm going to have to edit that out for feck's sake. Shut oh, up. shit. I'm the worst. <laughs> I'm the worst. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on that well, note, we are going to finish up because we do have something after this as well. Thank you everyone okay. for listening. Yes, we will see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.